In Judges 13, we have Samson, the last of Israel's judges before the histories of Eli and Samuel, given in 1 Samuel. Matthew Henry comments about Samson. He says, we never find him at the head either of a court or of an army, never upon the throne of judgment nor in the field of battle. Yet in his own proper person, a great patriot of his country, and a terrible scourge and check to its enemies and oppressors. He was an eminent believer, Hebrews 11:32, and a glorious type of him who with his own arm wrought salvation. The history of the rest of the judges commences with their advancement to that station. But Samson's begins with his birth, nay, with his conception, no less than an angel from heaven ushers him into the world as a pattern of what should be afterwards done to John Baptist and to Christ. Here now the reading of God's holy word, inspired by his spirit, profitable for us, Judges 13. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines forty years. And there was a certain man of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren, and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman, and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren, and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive, and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine, nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive, and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came unto me, and his countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God, very terrible. But I asked him not whence he was, neither told he me his name. But he said unto me, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and now drink no wine nor strong drink, neither eat any unclean thing, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O oh, my Lord, let the man of God which thou didst send come again unto us and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. And God hearkened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came again unto the woman as she sat in the field, but Manoah her husband was not with her. And the woman made haste and ran, and showed her husband, and said unto him, Behold, the man hath appeared unto me, that came unto me the other day. And Manoah arose, and went after his wife, and came to the man, and said unto him, Art thou the man that spakest unto the woman? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now let thy words come to pass. How shall we order the child? Or how shall we do unto him? And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, Of all that I said unto the woman, let her beware. She may not eat of anything that cometh of the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink. 
nor eat any unclean thing. All that I commanded her, let her observe. And Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, I pray thee, let us detain thee until we shall have made ready a kid for thee. And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, Though thou detain me, I will not eat of thy bread. And if thou wilt offer a burnt offering, thou must offer it unto the Lord. For Manoah knew not that he was an angel of the Lord. And Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, What is thy name, that when thy sayings come to pass, we may do thee honor? And the angel of the Lord said unto him, why askest thou thus after my name, seeing it is secret? So Manoah took a kid with a meat offering and offered it upon a rock unto the Lord. And the angel did wondrously. And Manoah and his wife looked on. For it came to pass when the flame went up toward heaven from off the altar, that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. And Manoah and his wife looked on it and fell on their faces to the ground. But the angel of the Lord did no more appear to Manoah and to his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was an angel of the Lord. And Manoah said unto his wife, We shall surely die because we have seen God. But his wife said unto him, if the Lord were pleased to kill us, he would not have received a burnt offering and a meat offering at our hands. Neither would he have showed us all these things, nor, nor would as at this time have told us such things as these. And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtael. Thus far the reading of God's inspired word, Judges 13. May the Lord bless us in the reading and hearing of it and in consideration of it. Verse 1, we have the apostasy and bondage of Israel, a common theme in Judges. God says that they sinned in his sight against thee, the only have I sinned. We saw that in Psalm 51. God sees our deeds. And so he judged them. He delivered them like a slave that he wanted no more into the hand of the Philistines 40 years. And human nature we see being prone as we are to return to our former sins, so Israel did. If we think we have conquered a sin, the book of Judges teaches us, no, you haven't. You must be careful. You must be watchful. Verses 2 through 23, we have the angelic message to Samson's parents regarding his supernatural birth, his Nazarite devotion, his infant calling, and the manner of parenting to be used with him. Now, it says in verse 2 that the wife of Manoah was barren and bare not. This is a common Hebrewism where they say something twice or they say it negatively and positively or they say a double negative to show by emphasis that in this case, there's absolutely no human possibility that there's going to be a child from this woman. She's barren and she bare not. Absolutely no children. God must do it. 
And then the angel says the very same thing. Thou art barren and bearest not, but, but God, as Ephesians 2 tells us, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. This is the same manner as John the Baptist's announcement, Luke 1, 13, and our Lord's announcement to the virgin, Luke 1, 31. Samson is a type of our Lord Jesus Christ in his miraculous birth, and also we'll see in his saving the people by his dying. Samson is also a type of our Lord Jesus Christ and in other ways as well. He is a type of Christ in being a Nazarite unto God from the womb. Now, Jesus, our Lord, in the book of Matthew, it says that he would be called a Nazarene. And some, some liberal scholars will scoff. Ha! You see, he's confusing Nazarite with Nazarene. No, actually, he's not. He's showing that all the types of the Old Testament of the Nazarites, and Samson in particular, are fulfilled in Christ Jesus, our Lord himself. That's why God designed for him to live in Nazareth, because it is a very, what we call homophone, a very similar sounding word to Nazarite, which means one devoted to God himself. Samson would be a Nazarite from the womb, sanctified, consecrated, devoted to God. And what was it that the Nazarite vow concerned? We see this in Numbers chapter 6. There was a prohibition of worldly pleasures, as signified by wine, strong drink, or anything from the grapevine. And note, men were to have their hair grow long. Why? Well, it's a shame unto a man to have his head covered in that way. So God was bringing shame and taking away pleasure from the Nazarites because Christ our Lord would bear the shame of our sin and bring in misery upon himself so that the people of God might be saved. So again, there is a typology in the Nazarite vow and in Samson himself given to God, consecrated from the womb, even as John the Baptist leapt in his mother's womb, and that holy thing in the virgin's womb, our Lord Jesus Christ, consecrated fully from his mother's womb. Now, in describing the, the messenger or the man who came to speak to her, she says that in verse 6, his countenance was like the countenance of an angel. Very terrible. Now, if flesh is not able to endure the sight of an angel, how much, how much less the presence of God himself. Let us tremble at God's presence. Let us treat his worship as a time of fear, of reverence, of respectfully hearing his oracles. Unfortunately, many are taught to be flippant toward God. Jesus died on the cross, so you don't have to fear God anymore. No, that's not true. Let us serve God reverently, with awe, right? Because he's a what? Consuming fire. He doesn't say in Hebrews 12 that he used to be a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. So Manoah, being a man of faith, hearing this report from his wife, what does he do? He prays. He entreats the Lord. He's ready to do what God says. And therefore he inquires so that he can know how should we raise this child? The angel of God 
decided not to come to Manoah directly. He came again to the woman a second time, but in answer to his prayer. So she goes and gets her husband, and Manoah arose, verse 11, and went after his wife and came to the man. Now, the word man here is used according to their opinion. This is called an ad hominem figure of speech. They thought the angel was a man, so it calls him the man. They came to the man. Now, listen to what the angel says. Of all that I said unto the woman, let her beware. He's speaking to the husband here. Let her carefully keep. Now, this word beware means to keep a treasure. Or if someone has charge over a garden. Or if you have a shepherd who tends a flock. That's the idea. These are things she must give attention to. She must pay close mind, put a lot of care into. But notice, who is it that is told this? Well, it is Manoah. Of all that I said unto the woman, let her beware. He's talking to the husband. But he's instructing the wife, how? Through her husband. Husbands, I note then, are responsible to govern their wives. Manoah is told to ensure that his wife carefully keeps the charge over the instructions given to her. Oh, how evil that is. He doesn't even recognize her dignity as a woman. In other words, life's not fair, wah. No, God didn't make the world fair. He didn't make everything equal. Not everyone is the same. And God has made the male the head of his wife and the wife to submit to her husband. And God recognizes this in these instructions. Husbands then, ensure that your wives know and do the will of Almighty God. You must know her duty. You must know what the word of God teaches so that you can know what to expect of your wife. And so that you may instruct your wife, washing her with the water of God's word by suitable and timely corrections when she strays from her duty and by suitable and timely encouragement when she does her duty toward God or her neighbor. That's what he's telling him. Of all that I said unto the woman, you, Manoah, let her beware. Make sure she follows these instructions. Make sure you're reminding her. Be praying for her. Encourage her when she follows the instructions. That's the idea. And this is a basic duty that husbands owe to their wives. Let her observe. Let her fear God. Let her observe all that I commanded her, he says. Every single last thing. Let her look carefully after it. Now notice here in verse 16... Manoah says in verse 15 that he would offer a kid to him. Then the angel in response said unto Manoah, Though thou detain me, I will not eat of thy bread. And if thou wilt offer a burnt offering, thou must offer it unto the Lord. So in other words, I'm not eating the bread, possibly because this is an angel, not incarnate. So I'm not going to eat this. But should you desire to offer an offering, to whom must you offer? To the Lord himself. You may not offer, even if if this is the Lord, you cannot offer it to him as if he were merely a man. 
You must offer all of your offerings to God himself, not under the notion that this is some mere creature that you're offering to. So this is a correction of their mistaken notions about the angel of the Lord, who exactly he is. He is no mere man to be sustained with food. And if an offering will be done to him, it must be done under the notion that he is Jehovah, not a mere man. Now they ask, what is thy name? That when thy sayings come to pass, we may do thee honor. This is good. It's good to be ready to be thankful. Even if you think it's a creature who's helping you, you should want to be grateful to them, to be thankful and remember the good things they did for you. But notice the rebuke. Verse 18, why askest thou after my name, seeing it is secret? Now, when we hear the word secret, we're often tempted to think, well, it's hidden somewhere. Nobody knows what it is. But this Hebrew word means wonderful, extraordinary, or incomprehensible. Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called... Wonderful, same exact word. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's his name, the angel's name. Wonderful. His name is incomprehensible. His name is extraordinary. His name is secret. And the angel did wondrously. Now, the word wonderful or secret in verse 18 is peli. And this word, to do wondrously, mapeli, it's the same root word. He is named wonderful, he does wonderful deeds. In other words, this is God they're dealing with. This is God Almighty, and that's to whom he said you must offer. If you're going to offer, offer to the Lord. Well, who is the Lord? This angel is the Lord. This angel who comes to speak to them. And you'll notice things go beyond the power of men. Obviously the work of God himself, obviously extraordinary. They offer up a sacrifice. The flame comes up off of the altar. And then what happens? The angel goes into the flame. And what does he do? He ascends up where? To heaven. You notice any parallels? You have here the offering up of a sacrifice and an ascension up into heaven. Where have we heard that before? Our Lord Jesus Christ, who was offered up as a burnt offering for us, as a sacrifice of peace, followed by an ascension into heaven. And what should they do now? Worship. So they fall upon their faces to the ground, recognizing this is no mere angel. This is the Lord who spoke to them. The wondrous power of the secret name, the wonderful name of God. When we consider Christ offering himself for us, rising again from the dead, ascending up into heaven, being possessed of divine power, what should we do? Let us worship, 
Let us bow before the Lord, our maker. Then notice verse 22, Manoah said unto his wife, We shall surely die because we have seen God, not merely an angel, not a man with a countenance like an angel. We have seen God, he says, just as our father Jacob at Penuel, the face of God. What did he wrestle with? A man or an angel or God? Yes, that's right. Our Lord Jesus Christ, before his incarnation, the messenger spirit, the angel of the Lord, also appears to be a man. Why? Because he's going to take on flesh one day. But he is, in fact, God himself, seen here by Manoah and by his wife in preparation for Samson. They believe that they will die, or at least Manoah does. He's seen God the angel. He's seen Christ before his incarnation as Abraham saw him, as Jacob saw him, as Moses saw him, as Joshua saw him, as Gideon saw him. So now Manoah sees him. But notice his wife, verse 23, his wife said unto him, she being stronger in faith, more reliant upon God's promises, having a better grasp of the situation and the truth of God's word, he would not have received a burnt offering and a meat offering at our hands. He is gracious to us. He's accepted us. He's not showing anger to us. We don't expect death when God shows his mercy to us. We expect life. So then verses 24 and 25, we have the supernatural conception, birth, and endowment of Samson. They call his name Samson. This means to be son-like. Shemesh is the son. Shemshun means that which is like or a little son, you might say. Bright, powerful, glowing, foreshadowing who? The son of righteousness, risen with healing in his wings, Malachi 4.2. And just like our Lord Jesus Christ grew and was blessed with favor from God, so Samson grows and the Lord blessed him. The same is said of John in Luke 1, verse 80. Both of these typified by Samson. The spirit of the Lord began to move him. This is the spirit of power, the spirit of liberty, the spirit of salvation. That's why Samson represents all these things. What will he do? He'll be a mighty man. He will free his people from the bondage of the Philistines. He will save them from their adversaries. Again, as a type of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Samson, the judge.